before Brother Runyon comes, we're going to have a special again, but uh, the girls are getting ready there. But again, we're so thrilled to have with us Brother Runyon and again with IBON and just that ministry so unique, so different, and just so unusual. And boy, we're so, so honored to be able to be a part of it and uh, just to give to it. And uh, I think we give, uh, at this point, we're giving about $1,000 a month to the ministry, IBON. And again, uh, you think about the number of churches that we're uh, uh, responsible for for through our giving certainly we don't want to ever decrease that but we'd certainly like to increase that and so we want to just uh, continue to see churches started around the world and boy to use nationals that's the way to get it done I mean let's face it who better to start a church in America than an American and who better to reach Americans than someone that's grown up in the culture that knows the culture and doesn't have to learn a new language doesn't have to learn how to uh, what gestures mean and everything else or make the mistakes that would come about as a result of a different culture. And, you know, whether it's the Philippines or Mexico or whether it's Egypt, it doesn't matter. Someone that was raised there, born there, raised there, and lives there can certainly reach their people much more effectively than we can. Right. 
And so that's what IBOM is all about, really. Nationals reaching their own people, people reaching people in their own countries. And boy, that's a blessing, amen? Well, anyway, uh, he's going to preach for us in just a moment. But before he does, ladies, would you please?
young talent coming along. I love that. Praise the Lord for all the young people. I say it again this morning. Uh, again tonight, I said this morning, thank God for the young people in this church. As uh, Brother Kavanaugh said, that's the future. It surely is. And we look around uh, in our schools and around the nation, and the young people just are going another direction, never hearing the message that comes from here. And, uh, boy, we better do what we can to reach them while we can. My uh, son-in-law is the, he's uh, over the singles at Temple Baptist Church in Knoxville. And my, his wife, my daughter, uh, she is in two sororities at the University of Tennessee having Bible study weekly. That is one miracle of miracles. And you cannot go in a sorority and do anything without an invitation. So they've invited her into these sororities to teach a Bible study weekly, and she's been doing this now. This is her third year. And, of course, it's a rotation of girls, but those girls are hearing Bible stories and things from the Bible that they would never hear. And we need to be doing something to reach our young people. You know, in your schools, you can have Bible clubs. As long as there's any club in the school, you can have Bible clubs. But it has to have a school sponsor. That's the law in our nation. And so many times we think that we can't do things in the school, and we just back off and don't try it. And we need to be reaching every child that we can reach because, boy, the world is trying to uh, sanitize our society of the name Jesus. They're trying to wipe it out. And uh, they're doing a better job than we are. They really are. And so uh, we need to do everything that we possibly can to reach as many young people as we possibly can. And... Uh, my, my daughter that uh, does that Bible study in the sororities, I tell her all the time, she should have been a man. She'd have been the best preacher in the country. <laughs> she, she'd have been more famous than Billy Sunday. She's a, my wife was talking today about, she said, now, now she looks just like my wife. And uh, uh, she honestly looks just like her, but she acts just like me. And my wife was talking today about how that uh, she acts like me and how she, she's a fireball. She, I mean, she boy, she's a, she's a fireball politically. <laughs> uh, she's ready to straighten out the world. And uh, so I, I appreciate uh, my children. I raise fighters. And see that right there? I like it. That's what we all ought to be as fighters. We ought to fight with wisdom with much wisdom. And uh, uh, we've, we're privileged to have two radio stations now in our area. We had one the last time we were here. We've had it since 1992, 25,000-watt-a.m. station. And uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association approached me about, uh, uh, well, three years ago now, and they had uh, a 1010 station 
uh, 10, 10 a.m., it was licensed for 47,000 watts. And they approached me and said, would, uh, would we like to buy it? And I said, well, I would. And we met at a restaurant, and we negotiated backwards and forwards and, uh, for quite a while. And they wanted too much money. And I said, there's no way I wouldn't give you that for it. Uh, but it was worth more than what they had asked for it. And, uh, but a man asked me one time if my name was Abraham. I said, no, but I'm his nephew. <laughs> and and uh, so uh, it went on. And uh, another fellow, another ministry uh, down in Charlotte was going to buy it. And I said, well, if it falls through, come back and see me. And so it ended up about a, a year and a half to two-year negotiation. And we bought it for one-fourth of what they asked for it. And so we signed the papers a year ago this past July, and uh, it was 12,500 watts at the time, but they were licensed for 47,000. And so we've done the work, and it's taken us a little over a year to get all the work done to get it to 47,000. And I was coming back from Brother Oliver Reyes's a week ago Saturday, and it came through Morganton, North Carolina, and it's 60 miles away, and it was, sounded like I was sitting under the tower. And I went to a funeral out in Waynesville, North Carolina, a week ago uh, tomorrow, really, last, last week. And uh, people in coves and hollers and everything out there listening to us. So uh, we're, we're able to expand our coverage. And I, I, we need to blanket America with Christian radio. And thank God a lot of, uh, radio, uh, of churches are filing for the low-power FMs. And uh, they're, uh, you know, uh, opening up these low-power FMs, 100 watts, 50 watts, but they can reach their city, their town. And so we need to do everything we can to take the gospel out there. The world is happy if we keep it in here. You can come in here and do anything you want to do, and they're just thrilled to death. Hey, have at it, man. Go for it. But, boy, when you take it outside, do you upset them. And we need to be out there in the highways and hedges taking it out there to the world where they are. And uh, praise the Lord for churches that do. And you have a great outreach. And I want you to know uh, that you've got one of the greatest churches that I know of right here. And you don't know how blessed you are. Amen. Right here at Community Baptist Temple, I think you have one of the most balanced pastors that I know. One of the most loving pastors that I know. And you are very blessed. You are very blessed. And you ought to go out and win everybody you can and just let them come and see what the love of God is right here in this church. You know, we fundamentally independent Baptists, uh, we've been real separated, and I believe in separation as much as anybody. But uh, we, have, uh, we have been so separated that we won't even give people time to grow in Christ. We think that they ought to be like we are, and they've been here for a week, got saved a week ago, and they come in, and we think that they ought to be just like we are. And we've been saved 30, 40 years. That don't happen. You know, we're living in an age when everybody that comes in has a bunch of baggage. I remember the day when, uh, you know, people would come into church and get saved, and they didn't have to change anything in life. They just had to start coming to church. They didn't have to change a thing. That isn't the way it is now. Dysfunctional. I never heard the word dysfunctional till about 1992, 93. 
and uh, never heard the words third world country till about that time. And, uh, you know, our language develops and we pick up all these phrases. When I was young, uh, you know, hippie meant somebody with big hips. <laughs> and cool meant neither hot nor cold. And uh, uh, grass meant something you mowed. Weed was something you pulled out of the garden. But boy, things surely have changed. And now the new lingo of texting, my Lord. Somebody sent me a text said, LOL. And I thought they said, lots of love. <laughs> and I didn't know what it meant to my daughters that were sitting around. And they said, Dad, you know what LOL means? I said, well, sure, it means lots of love. They said, uh-uh. It means laugh out loud. <laughs> and I, 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 huh? I like the lots of love better. And, and uh, things are changing rapidly, rapidly, rapidly changing. And, uh, you know, language is changing. We used to, you know, you know, we used to have, we used to have open doors in the ministry. That came from this King James Bible. But all of a sudden, we have open windows. Window of opportunity. Where'd that come from? Came from your dumb computer. That's where it came from. We're losing Bible language and picking up computer language. And there's so many things that, you know, uh, that, that I read in this Bible, and mountain folks especially, we just had a whole lot of Bible words and things that we said that affected us from the Word of God. And now we've just got lots of things in the younger generation you don't know those Bible phrases. You know those computer phrases. So what are we doing? We're genericizing our whole society away from the Word of God. And you know what? You're a victim of it. You're a victim of it. It's happening to you, and you don't even know it. Amen. I like the Bible way better. I like the Bible way better, preacher. And so, praise the Lord. And I'll say this. I say it everywhere I go. As a tool, this is a blessing. As a toy, it's a curse. If you'll remember that. That's easy to remember. As a tool, this is a blessing. As a toy, it's a curse. And as a toy, it's cursing our young generation and a lot of our old generation. We had a 13-year-old girl in our area whose families are Christians. And they monitored her computer. She had a computer in her room. They monitored it very closely. But uh, you younger folks, you can just snow us on these computers, man. Something goes wrong in the office, and I say, well, let's go get a five-year-old, and we'll get it fixed. <laughs> Truth. My 10-year-old granddaughter, man, she's, I mean, she's a whiz. But that 13-year-old girl hid a Facebook account on her computer from her parents who monitored it several times a week, kept monitored closely. And a 22-year-old man from Colorado came on Saturday night, just maybe five weeks ago. She climbed out her bedroom window. They caught them in Dallas, Texas on Monday. That girl's life is ruined. 
She made him online a hidden Facebook account. You parents don't think you can monitor your children on that computer because they can, they can whiz around you on that thing like, I mean, we have a girl in our office, brother, 17 years old, that was, I mean, man, our computer guy that works, he came in and, and he monitors our computers. He came in with the office pictures you've ever seen that she had a, a, an account through somebody else's MySpace. We had to fire that girl, 17 years old. And boy, watch out. Be careful. Be careful. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Uh, you can listen to WKJV Radio on WKJV.com and then click on Listen. And uh, we have a lot of friends around the country that through their Bluetooth, they listen to us through their car radios, and uh, it'll just click on through the Bluetooth, and they can hear right through their car radio, right? Uh, uh, Brother Andy Edwards listens all the time in Toledo, uh, Ohio, and uh, a lot of people listen that way in their cars. But you know, I can take this thing right here, and I got an icon on here, and I can click it on right now and listen to WKJV. I keep a check on my people <laughs> all the time and me gone from home. So uh, as a tool, it's a blessing. It really is. And uh, it's the most wonderful blessing in the world. Uh, we have seven computers in our place, and I don't turn one of them on. I don't, I don't even touch the switch. I, I said I found out why they called it a little era cursor, and I said a preacher don't need to be doing that. So I just hire people to do that. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I don't even know how to check my email. I don't even want to know. You can't blame me for being on there and doing anything bad with it. And uh, we don't have one in our house, but uh, we have seven. Well, we got nine of them in the office now, but uh, praise the Lord for them. Uh, we couldn't do that. We couldn't have started 206 churches without it. But, you know, it's amazing how, how self-centered this generation has become. You know, we used to take pictures of places and other people now we Just don't hang your head down. Your nose looks long. <laughs> Somebody sent me a, I got a picture in here of a young lady. I know it. It's in Bible college, and she's a beautiful young lady. But they're wanting me to let my grandson see her picture. She's wanting to meet him. And she hung her head down. Her nose looked like it was about that long. <laughs> I didn't even show him the picture. <laughs> Amen. And she don't have a nose that long, but it looked like it in the picture. Look, took, took it down. Don't take a picture, Dan. Take a picture this way. Amen. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 says, Cast, in verse 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now, you know, if we eat the bread, we find it after many days, right? <laughs> so you've got to be careful with that. But he says, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now turn over with me, if you will, to the book of Revelation, chapter 17. Revelation, chapter 17. 
Remember, Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. And then he said shortly after that, I, Jesus, am the bread of life. What is the staple when a nation or a people are starving? The staple that they get to them is bread and water. So bread is a sustenance for life. Read in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, and verse 1, and it says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vows, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now let's look over in verse 15. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. We're in a missions conference. What are we doing? We're talking about reaching peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So the waters represent here in this chapter, not necessarily everywhere, but the waters here, it says plainly, that's Bible interpretation. When the Bible interprets itself, you can believe that. Amen. Now, when you go over to Revelation 13 and verse 1, and that beast comes up out of the sea, that's not people. That's the sea because it does not interpret that. So here it interprets the waters as people. Now, let's think about that for a few minutes. He says, cast thy bread upon the waters. And if the waters represents peoples and nations and, and it represents uh, uh, multitudes and nations and tongues, he tells us to cast our bread upon these multitudes and peoples and nations and tongues. And he said, it will return unto you. Now, the principle there is that, you know, we must... I got a loaf of bread here. What is that? The sustenance of life. And he tells us to take this bread that we have and to cast it upon the waters, upon the people, the bread of life, the Word, the Bible, the, the, the words of life that come from the Scriptures that Jesus gives us out of the scriptures. Hey, you know what it is? It's life for the people. It's life for the people. These things, I always twist them the wrong way. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I got it. But bread is life. Now, I remember when I was young, we used to call money... A lot of names. And we would call it cabbage. You know, as teenagers, we'd call it bread. Hey, man, you got any bread? You got some bread. We need to buy some, a, 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 a dope. And that, and see, when I was growing up, a dope was a Coca-Cola. <laughs> and you went to the store and you bought a dope, you put it in a poke. 
you think a poke is something you do to somebody's nose, right? And a dope was, we, we called them dopes all the time. It's all we ever called them. But we call money bread. We call it moolah. We just had all kinds of names for, for money. So today we're going to talk about this bread right here as money. And what did he say to do with it? Cast it. <laughs> right? Upon the waters. That's what he says. Now, when we're talking about missions, and he said it's peoples and tongues and nations, what did he tell us to do? Take our money and cast it <laughs> upon the waters. Amen? Now you say, preacher said this morning, said, well, you're complaining because we talk about money. Hey, well, what is missions conference? It's trying to get some bread, man. And it was bread, man. Yeah, man, I need some bread. Amen. And, and so what are we doing? We're casting our bread upon, he's hungry. I can tell. He almost laid down the aisle trying to get that. <laughs> Hey, hey, you know what? Hey, hey, did you know that people in Kenya are, are, are just like that? They're so anxious to hear when you cast your bread upon the water and you take this bread of life and you take it the word, the, the word of life. Hey, do you remember this morning I was telling you about Kevin Wynn baptizing? Huh? <laughs> baptizing 7,000 people a year. They're anxious for that bread. They're anxious for the bread of life. And how do we do that? We cast it upon the waters. And, and the blessing is every time that you give to God, it's going to return to you. <laughs> Let, let's, let's look over in the book of Luke, if you will. I want to show you something here. In the book of Luke chapter 6. Book of Luke chapter 6. You know this verse? You've heard it in every missions conference that you've ever been in. And uh, chapter 6 and verse 38. Give. That's money. That's moolah. That's cabbage. That's bread. He said give. So, hey, let me tell you something. America is blessed. We're blessed with, how many of you are hungry right now? And I know you young guys, don't raise your hand. You're hungry all the time. You can eat 49 eggs and a ham of meat for breakfast and you're hungry by 9 o'clock. I know that. I know that's what you are. Hey, hey, you can, you can, eat, you can eat two Big Macs and drink two milkshakes and four fries. You're still hungry. I'm not talking about that. How many people in here have ever been hungry? Really hungry. How many of you have ever had your, your stomach gnaw at your backbone? That don't happen in America. The street people in America are better off than some of the people that I go preach to in this world. The street people don't go hungry. Hey, they've got bread. I mean, they go to the back of a restaurant and the door. They stand on the street corner and make $300 a day with a sign that will work for food and they wouldn't strike a lick at a black snake. 
I know that for a fact. I'm seeing all these young ladies, young girls, standing on the street corners now with signs, need help. My son-in-law said he was going to, he was going to get him a sign and put, stand on the corner and say, have job, have money, have food. I'm in debt up to my neck. I need help. <laughs> That's most America's. That's most of America's problem. But we're not short on bread, and America's not short on money. In 2008, there was a crash, right? There was a crash of the stock market. It went, it went, it went to the bottom. Some of you lost your 401Ks. You were preparing for retirement. You lost it. It all went away. I've got one friend. I was telling a preacher today, I have one friend in Asheville, North Carolina. He lost $10 million in one bank in Atlanta, Georgia in one day. It took him until about three months ago to go totally bankrupt, lost his home, lost everything else. But that happened in 2008. It took him six years to go bankrupt. But you know something? He had enough heavy equipment hid over behind the mountains in his house. He's still not broke. He's selling heavy equipment, $20,000 a piece, $15,000 a piece, and he's got a bunch of pieces. America's not broke. America's got moolah. America's got cabbage. They got bread. And you know what he says for us to do? It's missions time. And you know, when we look at that, uh, when we look at that, what is that, $90,000? When we look at that figure up there, you know that's really nothing. That's really nothing. That's something, but it's really nothing because America's got, you guys sitting there, uh, starved death, right? Hey, he said, cast your bread upon the people's the nations and the tongues. Take your money and help those in places that can't hear, that will never hear, that will never have a preacher come unless you send them. They'll never have somebody to come and tell them about this saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ unless you cast your bread upon the water. You know, Moolah, money. He says, let's, let's get a little, little more real. Huh? Let's get a little more real. Huh? Let's get a little more real. Hey, that's the real stuff right there. That's the real stuff right there. Hey, hey, listen. You know what he said to do? Cast it upon the waters. And my, my subject tonight is, he said it will come back. It will come back. You know what amazes me? When I read about Hannah over there giving her son Samuel, I was reading down through there one day and I was in a hotel. And, and I was preparing for the sermon. And I read it, and it said she lent her son to the Lord. Lent? That means it was still hers. 
He was still hers. It was just a loan to the Lord. There you go. It's okay. You've been down here. Don't act so calm, boy. Huh? You know what? I used to get excited when my daddy would give me three cents. And I'd give you a whole dollar. Huh? Yeah. My daddy, I'd wait on him to come home from work, and I'd send her and say, Daddy, can I have a penny? I'd go to the store and buy two pieces of candy, about that square and about that thick, called the banana splits. Two pieces. And man, it was that taffy, and you could chew that thing. You could chew one of them for an hour and a half. <laughs> when I used to get a, a nickel to buy a knee-high orange, I'd touch that thing to my lips and just barely touch it so I could taste it, and it lasted last a, about a half a day. Mm. And I'd give you a whole dollar. <laughs> and I just wanted a nickel for a knee-high orange. And a penny for two pieces of candy. You see what I'm telling you? You're blessed. You're blessed. How many of you are, are uh, uh, you know, you know how much money it takes to do a lady? A little more. But, but you know, <laughs> you, you, you don't ever have enough. I don't care what you got, you never have enough. But you know what he said? He said, just cast your bread upon the water. He didn't say a frisbee. He said your bread. But you know what? If you cast your bread upon the water, are you getting this? He said, it'll come back. Amen. It's just a law. What you put in missions, it's going to come back to you. See, we'll have a fight over the bread tonight. <laughs> huh? Are you, hey, 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 listen, it'll come back. Now, I want to talk about some things, that'll, how it'll come back. Number one, you know, he said, it'll come, uh, the Lord's will come back in your own personal care. If you give, look at this verse in verse 38. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about how it's going to come back. Good measure. How do you give? Good measure. Hey, preacher said this morning, y'all to always give with a cheerful heart. I always told my people, if you give grudgingly, give anyway. <laughs> Amen. I can use grudge, grudge money just as well as I can use cheerful money, can't you, preacher? Amen. You ought to give with a cheerful heart, but you, if, you, if you begrudge it, just give anyway, because God can sure get glory out of it. You're the one loser. But he said, give. <laughs> and it shall be given unto you. How? Good measure. It's going to be given to you. Good measure. Hey, hey, I'm giving out dollars. And you cast your bread upon the water. And when it returns, it's going to come back good measure. And he said, press down. That means you can get a whole lot more in the jug. I mean, it's pressed down, boy. You can take a bushel basket. We used to... We used to have to carry our corn to the mill. My daddy worked at the corn mill. And we'd take our corn and we could take it over and get it ground for cornbread. And boy, when we got that sack back, we wanted that sack. We wanted it pressed down. And we'd take that sack and boy, we'd shake it and, 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 and hit it on the, on the floor of that corn mill and just keep putting corn in there and keep putting corn in there. That's the way we liked it back. 
I, I like God's way because that's the way I've got it in my life. I'm serious. It's the way I've got it in my life. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. It'll, it'll take care of your personal care if you'll just cast your bread upon the water. And he said, good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And running over. We'd take a sack of corn to the cornmeal, but boy, when we pressed it down and, and, and shook it, it was running over. God will always give you more than you give. God will always bring it back. It'll always, hey, when you cast your bread upon the water, it'll always come back more than you give. And here, how's he going to do that? Look at the next two words. Shall God? <laughs> you know who takes care of me? Men and women. Did you know I have no means of income except by faith? I have not one means of income except you people. And I've lived now for 18 and a half years, almost 19 years, off of what God's people have given me, taking care of me, people like you. And you've given, you've cast your bread upon the water and I can come in here this morning and report to you that we had 10,200 in service. I can report to you that we had 2,100 and, and, uh, uh, and uh, 39 saved. You say, how do you know there's that many? We had 500 workers and they wrote down every one of them's name. Preacher, sure there were falling up on all them people that got saved right now. Wrote down every name of every person that was on that ground that day. And that ground, honestly, we were in the, it was, it was a country city in Africa and, and a bush city and a, a pretty good sized city. And that whole ground just permeated with B.O. Unto God it did. I mean, it was, it was so bad, Brother Gomez threw up right in front of the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have deodorant. They don't have any money to buy deodorant. And they're so used to it, they don't know it. So like a fellow in church said, somebody's deodorant's quit. And the man said, it's not mine, I don't use it. But, <laughs> but, but, but you know what? Well, first time I ever went over there, oh, I, I thought, Lord, I said, I preached. And I preached in a little tin hut that was about... 20 feet square and there's about 35 people in there or so and there's one little window and one door and I got up and started preaching and man I was just I I was I mean I was in bad shape and I finally looked over at that little window and I eased over in that little window and I preached the rest of the sermon that day and got by and I got in the car I was leaving there and I said Lord if you don't do something to help me I'll never be able to minister over here I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, I can go in the grocery store and sometimes you get in an aisle and somebody's done been there that hadn't put on any deodorant. And oh, you don't, you don't buy no more groceries. <laughs> Pretty good, save money. You go hungry and you spend everything you got, but suddenly you lose your appetite. But you know something, the next day I went in that same little tin hut and I prayed and I said, God, you're going to have to help me. And did you know that it's never bothered me since? The grace of God. But you know what? Hey, hey, you know, 
that, that whole place. But you know something? When 2,139 people get saved, I can stand any smell. Hey, you know what? Because you cast your bread upon the water, I can come back and report that to you. And guess what? Hey, guess what? Everything that we've ever done with IBOM, we do it in teams. We've got witnesses. We're not reporting false reports. We're reporting the truth. And hey, when I tell you that you cast your bread upon the water, And this missionary comes in here and he tells you about that story that I just told you. And you've done, cast your bread upon the water. You know what you ought to do? Y'all shout. Because it returned to you. It returned to you. Hey, but listen, he returns it to you in personal care, not only in hearing what I just told you, but personal care. I want to show you something. There's a precious young lady walked up and handed me an envelope this morning. And you know, I love Starbucks. I love, I love sugar-free vanilla lattes with, with 2% skim. I love it with skim milk. I go in and I say, give me a... Give me a cup of nothing but taste. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, uh, sugar-free vanilla latte with skim milk. It's a cup of taste. It don't do anything to my body. And you know what? I love it. And, and, and man, I, when I go by Starbucks at home, I can go and meet my wife. When I'm home, my wife and I always have lunch together. And uh, we'll call at about 1.30, we go to lunch, because that's when all the old people are at lunch. <laughs> and we go out in the restaurant, and there we look around, and it's all our, our age. But it's a great time to go. The handicapped parking spots are always open. <laughs> you, you can get in the restaurant without waiting. And I leave, I leave the restaurant... And I drive by Starbucks, and it's over here on Charlotte Street, and my car goes, i got to hold it. It just wants to turn in Starbucks and get me a sugar-free vanilla latte with skim milk. And you know what? If you do that 20 days a month, you know what that is? That's 80 bucks a month. And I got to thinking about that. That's a lot of money. I could, I could give 80 more dollars to missions by just doing without that, 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 that Starbucks. And let me tell you something, folks. You know what? I tithe to missions and more. How do I do that? I have no idea. But I'm casting my bread upon the water. And I know with all of my heart it shall return to me. I know it's coming back. I've got confidence that the Lord said it would come back. I've got all the confidence in the world that it's coming back. I can't figure out how, but I know it's coming back. 
And you know something? When I take these dollars and I send them to the mission field, and I, hey, hey, let me tell you something. I don't know how I give as much as I give. You was wanting one. There it is. All right? Okay. I don't know how I give as much as I give. But you know something? Thank God I know this. The old black preacher said, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Amen. I found that out. And I cast my bread upon the water. It's coming back in my personal care. Preacher asked me today. We left lunch. Had a great lunch with Brother Pete and Miss Billy and the preacher. And he looked at my shoes as we came out of the restaurant. He said, Are those special shoes? And I said, Yes. And he said, how much would they cost? And I said, about $350. You ladies think you spend a lot of money for shoes. But I have to have them special made. They've got special insoles in them. They're specially made to fit my feet. You know something? Twelve years I've been wearing these same kind of shoes. I've got a closet running over. I've probably got 20 pair of these shoes in my closet and I've never paid one penny. He said he'd take care of your personal care. Why does he do that for me? Because I cast my bread upon the water and it returns. And you know what? He told me when I first started, he started making my shoes, orthotic man. He said, Preacher, our church don't give much money to missions. And he said, As long as you do what you're doing, I'll keep your feet shod. Boy, I sure love it when it returns. I sure love it when it comes back. 350 times 20, that's $7,000, huh, that God has given me back. And I started to tell you about this Starbucks. A young lady gave me a, a, a card and an envelope this morning. She's here tonight. And she don't know what a blessing that God spoke to my heart. I said I love Starbucks, sugar-free vanilla latte. <laughs> with skim milk. <laughs> you know what? She gave me a card in that card. And I can get me five of them. <laughs> huh? Is it returning? It's just stuff, that's little stuff. Just, hey, that, that, a, a young lady, that's tremendous to me because I know God is just returning. He's just returning. Me. Some of you over there wish I had a, a lead sinker in this, don't you, so it would reach you. I cast my bread upon the water, and he comes back and he takes care of my personal care. I, I, I got another story, but it's too long to tell. I, I've told it here before, but 
Boy, it fits so well, I, 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 I'm going to shorten it. <laughs> you need to hear it. Amen. But I went to the Philippines, went through the jungles and had to walk out because our boat marred down in the mud. And I had to walk out and had to walk about a mile in the mud and I had an open sore on my foot and, and that mud got in there and time we got to the to the van my foot was the size of a football and 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 I couldn't get my shoe on went to an orthopedic place they didn't have any such thing I didn't know what a velcro shoe was I wanted a velcro shoe so I could get a big old shoe so I could get my foot in it and get back to America and we went to a, a orthopedic hospital and they said they didn't have and and they went around the corner and there's three nurses in there helping people and uh, it's a long story but but I said, uh, I need a Velcro shoe. And they said, we don't have. And one of the nurses said, wait just a minute. She went away and she came back. She's gone about 10, 10, 15 minutes. She came back. And she said, she had a box. She opened that box. There was one dozen Velcro shoes in there, size 13. There ain't nobody in the Philippines wears a 13. <laughs> She said, you know where I put one on and it fit perfectly. I put my insert in my shoe inside it and it fit perfectly. And I was able to walk and to get back home. But she said, you know where that came from? Said in 92 when the volcano went off up here and closed down Clark Air Base. Said there's a bunch of supplies came from America. This was about 2002. Said a bunch of supplies came from America. And said these shoes are in there and nobody's ever used one. I jumped up and I hugged her and I said, ma'am, you're God's angel. You know what God sent those shoes to the Philippines for? For this missionary. Ten years hadn't been touched. Cast your bread upon the water. That was God returning the bread that I had cast upon the water. He'll take care of your personal care. And you know what? He'll take care of ministry needs. Hey, I've never seen a church that gave to missions that didn't get it back. I've seen so many churches that had no faith promise preacher. They didn't do faith promise. I've gone in and preached faith promise, and the first month after faith promise, their offerings would double or triple. Their, their general fund offering would double or triple because God, they began to cast their bread upon them. And God would return it. They, uh, many of them would be financially uh, in a strain. And all of a sudden, God would just get them out of it. Oh, listen. Philippians chapter 4. Turn there with me. In Philippians 4, this is, uh, this, this is so, so, so great just to see what God does. But in Philippians 4 and verse 19, what did he say? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you have ever claimed that verse? Huh? Well, if you'll read the previous verses, if you don't give the missions, don't claim it. It's not yours. That's for people that give to missions. It's right there in the text just before it. I won't take time to read it, but let me tell you something. If you want a verse and you don't give to missions, go over and get you one out of Psalms because that one ain't yours. 
It don't belong to you. That only belongs to people that give to missions. Hey, he's talking about how they helped him here and helped him there. And he said, but God shall supply. Hey, God's going to supply this church's need because you give to missions. Hey, hey, listen, you can do foolishly about anything. Preacher's not asking you to do foolishly about your giving or your filling out that faith promise card. I mean, I I, uh, I had a, a guy one time in church when, when we pastored and we had missions conference and he filled out a faith promise card and, and all I can call is an idiot because he put down $500 a week and he didn't even have a job. No, that's not what the preacher's asking you to do. The preacher's asking you to be reasonable. Pray and ask God what he wants you to give. Hey, I'm telling you, God will take care of this ministry's needs if this ministry gives to missions. God doesn't, hey, 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 let me tell you something. God doesn't really bless a church that doesn't give to missions. He doesn't really bless a church, but God will bless ministry needs. He met Paul's needs constantly. Hey, he met Paul's needs constantly. Look over in Philippians uh, chapter 4. Well, I've already used that verse. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, now, now listen. L- let me tell you how you take care of, of ministry needs that gives to missions. Our church gave to missions. Gave heavily to missions. I'm going to tell you how it'll trickle down. Our ministry was in need of a secretary. I had to fire the secretary I had about a year and a half ago, about a, about a little over a year ago. Had to fire her because she was was doing bad things, saying bad things about the ministry on her blog. Well, I, I need the secretary so bad. I mean, really. I mean, the office sitting there and just piling up, piling up. Need the secretary. Well, I went to get my oil chains and a fellow I led to the Lord. He runs an oil chains place and his wife was in there. But let me start back yonder 40 years ago. I went up and visited her dad. He was 63, well, it was 30 years ago. I went and visited her dad, and, and he, was, he was unloading an old red pickup truck. He was unloading a beef and carrying it down in his basement and putting it in his freezer. I pulled up there, me and another fella, and, and we, we walked up there, and I began to witness to him, just talking to him, general talk. 63 years old, just retired, been in World War II, is in Burma. And he had drunk every day since World War II and hadn't gone one day without, without drinking. I sat down on tailgate of that old red Toyota truck and I began to tell him about Jesus. He was squatted down in a, a white gravel driveway and the other fellow was with me sitting on the tailgate of the truck. And I, I, I witnessed to him and I gave him a plan of salvation. I said, Troy... You have a choice right now to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and go to heaven or reject Jesus Christ and go to hell. Now, remember, this is 30-some years ago. And Troy looked up at the fellows with me. They had run around together as young men. He said, you reckon I can live it? And that fellow said, if I can live it, you can. And they'd both been, uh, this fellow was a lot worse than, than Troy was. Troy bowed right there on the, his knees in the little white gravel and got saved. He came to church 
He sat on the pew next, the next Sunday. He was there. He ain't never missed nothing since. His wife came with him. About a week later, I walked by her before church one day, and I said, Valerie, are, are you, would you go to heaven if you died right now? And she said, no. I said, you're not saved? She said, no. I said, don't you want to be? And she said, I was wondering when he was going to ask me. Valerie got saved right there in the church pew. She just turned around. No, we bowed right there in the church pew. Valerie got saved. Well, their oldest daughter came to church. She got saved. Her next daughter came to church. She got saved. One of them's husband came to church, and he got saved. Vicky, their baby daughter, came to church. She got saved. Two rows of Lewises sitting there today. 30-some years later in that church. But there was Vicki, Marty's wife, that I went to get my oil changed. She was in there. She was working for another place. And I said, Vicki, why don't you come to work for me? She said, <laughs> she, she sort of laughs about everything. She's such a sweet lady. And, and she called me the next day and says, was you serious? I said, I sure was. She came and we interviewed and we put her to work and she's the best secretary I've ever had. <laughs> you know what I did? I went up in that old driveway and just cast my bread upon the water and God took care of a ministry need 33 years ago. Boy! Story after story. And you know what? You know what God will do when you cast your bread upon the water? He'll give you personal encouragement. What will come back is personal encouragement. And you know what? It'll keep you keeping on. Amen. That personal encouragement comes back and it'll keep you keeping on. I'm going to tell you two quick stories and I'm done. In the last month, I've been to two funerals. The first funeral was Glenn Warren. He got leukemia and going through treatments. Well, some 25 years ago, well, 1988, I went up to him and I was seeing him pretty often and he was a drinking and a wild boy and... and I walked up to him and I put my arms around his shoulders and I said, Glenn, as nice as you are, it would be terrible if you went to hell. He was a nice guy. Well, the next Sunday, he and his sister came to church. He sat down over against the wall. And he sat there and while I preached, he was just shaking. He was under such conviction when the invitation was made. He came down the aisle and he bowed and he got saved. He's lived for Christ ever since. He wasn't married up in his uh, almost 30 years old. God gave him a wife. He's given him two beautiful little boys. But Glenn got that leukemia back about a year ago. And they thought that they, they did the bone marrow transplant and everything. But just a couple of months ago, he got, he got pneumonia. And he went to heaven. Now I want you to watch what comes back. They called me and said, would you have a part in Glenn's funeral? 
said, you, you're, you're a very important, his wife said, you're a very important part of his life. We didn't even know her at the time. But I stood in that funeral, and the whole subject of the funeral with three preachers was the day that Glenn won. And the fact that Preacher Runyon put his arm around his neck and said, you're too nice a guy to go to, it just kept coming up. It just kept coming up. But I was able to sit there, and I stood, and I told the story how it happened. And boy, hey, you know what? It was the subject of the funeral. It was that salvation of Glenn Warren. You know what? Boy, you're talking about encouraging me to go get somebody else. See, I cast my bread upon the water, and guess what? It comes back, and it comes back, and it encourages me. Hey, it isn't an ego. It's just, hey, it's just thankful. It's just encouraging to hear that this man's laying here, and he's about 40 years old, 42 or 44, and he's laying here in this casket. And because God let our paths cross, and I cast my bread upon the water, boy, it comes back. Just last week on Monday, I attended another funeral. In Waynesville, North Carolina, I was coming back in 19, I think I said it was 1992, or no, 1997, excuse me. And I was coming through the mountains from Tennessee to North Carolina, and I had a blowout. I pulled over the side of the road to mile and a half marker on that gorge four-lane highway, that I-40 in that gorge. I pulled over to the side of the road, and boy, there wasn't much room. It showed there's a, a, a barrier over here, and, a, and, and I looked down at that line, and I was right against the barrier, and there's about that much room between that, that line and these big trucks. <laughs> my, tr my, my truck was going, <laughs> and I thought, this ain't going to fit that. <laughs> Stuck my head out, and boy, had to jerk it back in. I mean, it was, zoom, it was Monday, and boy, them trucks were coming through. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? And it seemed like he said, no service. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, boy, oh, boy, a cell phone and, and, uh, and, 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 and AAA. I said, that'll work. And I took out my cell phone, got my AAA number, and I dialed it. And he said, no service. And that meant, Lord, what am I going to do? I got out and I hugged my truck. <laughs> and I went down through there and I was, I was a sticking out in the road, I know. And, and I hugged my truck and went down through there and opened up the back and was trying to get my spare tire out. And, and this scrape over there was scraping that barrier. And the fellow jumps out and says, What's the matter? Look back, and there's a big yellow truck with flashing lights all over it. He worked for the state, and he helped stranded motorists on that mountain. And, I, and, and that, that plow, snow plow he had on it, was probably sticking that far out in the road. So those trucks had to go around that truck with them lights. He said, put that jack up, put that hypocrite jack up, and let me get you a jack. He got a jack out of that truck, and he jacked my, my truck up, and he... He put the spare tire on. He put the, we put the truck the, the 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 flat back in the in the bed of the truck. And by that time, I'd ask him his name, and I said, Jackie, name's Jackie Laney. I said, 
would you go to heaven if you died right now? I said, you've got to be a Christian. You're such a nice man. He went, why'd you ask me that? I said, well, I try to ask everybody I see that. He said, oh, I've had a 17-year-old daughter that got killed in a car wreck. I've been in church for 35 years. I've been faithful to church, and I don't know if I'm going to heaven. He said, you know Jack Robinson over here in Waynesville, the preacher? And I said, yes. He said, he said I was going over this afternoon to see him. I'm, I'm just worried to death. And I told him, I said, Jack, listen. I told him how I got saved. And I said, if I was you, I'd just junk everything I've ever done. And I'd just buckle right here on this median on the side of this road. And I'd ask Jesus to save me. And boy, he went, bam. We got down and prayed. And man, he jumped up. And, and I jumped up. And he hugged me. And he's, he was dancing around and around. And he said, oh, 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 these chuckles will think I'm funny. And <laughs> I, on to God, that's what he said. <laughs> but, but, but he said, I, I said, Jack, if I was you, I'd go up there to that rest area. And I'd pull over there and I'd call my wife. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. He said, I said, I'd call my wife. And I'd tell her I got saved. Jack pulled off. I wrote his name in my date book and his number. Well, my, I lost my date book just a day or so after. I couldn't follow up and find out what happened to Jack. But I want to tell you how. <laughs> I want to tell you how that if you just keep on uh, casting your bread upon the water, how it will come back. I was sitting in the office one day, and, and, and Robert Harris, who calls himself a circuit rider, he wears a, a long tail coat, and, he, and he, he's got a horse, and he goes out to these places. He goes to races, and he passes out tracks on his horse. And he goes to, to venues of all kind. And he goes up there to that rest area on Sunday afternoon, takes his horse and passes out tracks. He come on Monday morning to the radio station and he said, uh, Brother Randy, uh, something you might like to know. He said, uh, I was up at the rest area yesterday passing out my tracks and said, said this fellow pulls up in a big yellow dump truck and said he bounced out of it and he bounced over to me. And he said... I handed him one of my tracks, and he said he looked at it. He said, oh, Wendell Runyon saved me at the mile-and-a-half marker right down yonder. Boy, that's encouraging. He's still, a year later, he's still excited. And it it just makes you want to go get another one. But that ain't all. That ain't all. My dog come dragging my date book out from somewhere. <laughs> I looked and I'd only missed two meetings, preacher. I, I, I had failed to call and, or, you know, I, I didn't know about two meetings. I had missed them. I think my dog must have took them. <laughs> but, but I got that book and I, I just stuck it in my pocket and I was riding down to Mississippi on a Saturday afternoon, and I got that book out, and I don't text, but I, I was looking in that, through that book driving, and I said, well, there's Jackie Langley's number. And I dialed that number, and a woman answered the phone. And I said, is this Jackie Laney's residence? She said, yes, it is. I said, this is Brother Wendell Runyon. She said, It was just that quick. It was the response. I mean, it was immediate. 
Boy, is that encouraging. She said, I got a new husband. And I said, well, well, I, I would like to talk to Brother Jack. And she said, well, he's not here right now. But he, she said, if you'll give me his number, I'll have him call you back. Well, I had a seven or eight-hour drive to Mississippi. And, and, and so Jack called me. It was about 6, 7 o'clock in the evening. And, and he come on, he come on, and he said, oh, it's so good to hear from you. He said, you know, he said, he said, uh, you told me to go up there and call my wife. He said, I took that old yellow truck and I went to the garage and I parked her and I went home and I hugged her neck and told her I was sorry for being such a, he wasn't a bad man, he didn't drink, but he was just mean. He was just, just mean because he's lost. And he apologized. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, Wendell Runyon saved me at the mile and a half marker Today up in the gorge, it ain't done yet. That coming back, that coming back, they had his funeral a week ago tomorrow in Waynesville, North Carolina. They called me and said, would you come? I went to his funeral and I sat there in the congregation. Three preachers and the whole subject. One preacher got up and he said, I was over here at the service station gassing up. And my, he drives a dump truck. He's an assistant pastor and he works, but he has dump trucks. And he, he said, boy, Jack bounced out of his, his truck and he come over there and he said, Raymond, I got saved in the gorge. And that preacher stood and told that and he said, Wendell Runyon, raise your hand. He said, he told me Wendell Runyon saved him in the gorge. I know it didn't save him, but you know what? It just keeps coming back. It, it just keeps coming back. Just cast it. And it keeps coming back. It just keeps coming back. Hey, the whole subject of the funeral was because, hey, this was, this has been 13, 14 years ago. And he's still running around telling everybody he got saved in the gorge. I become famous because of Jack Laney. Hey, the famous ain't what's important. It's the fact that such an encouragement that when you do, when you do cast your bread, you know what? The Lord just keeps on encouraging, keeps on encouraging. Hey, when those missionaries come up here and they tell you their church is too small, their church is too small. They're going to have to move to another building. It just keeps coming back, coming back. But you know something? If you don't cast your bread, your moolah, your cabbage on the water, Can you tell me some stories like I've told you? That thrills my heart. Not just one coming back, but Jackie Laney just kept on, kept on, and kept on coming back. Hey, just cast it, and it'll come back. Let's bow for prayer.